Well, hey everyone, and welcome tonight to the 14th edition, day number 14 of our Easter countdown, which will end on a good Friday night, which is, uh, what, uh, next next Friday, I guess. Uh, it's coming very, very quickly, and uh, I hope that you had a good a good day today. It's a little late in the evening. I actually spent the whole day outside today of volunteering, um, well, working, volunteering, you could say, over at Mission Nouvelle Génération in Brassard. And uh, it was good to be out with people. Of course, you have to be careful, but it was good to serve in the community. So um, whatever you did today, I hope it was productive. I hope it was a good day. And uh, these devotionals are meant to encourage you and to get you into Easter and get you excited about Easter and to prepare you uh, for Easter, which is coming quickly. And... Um, Every night I give a little clue uh, that will pertain to a quiz that we're going to do electronically on Easter Sunday. And the winner is going to get a brand new iPad. So uh, I hope that you will keep tracking with us. And you don't need a Facebook account to watch these videos. You can uh, forward it to friends and they can participate as well, okay? Um, this is in John chapter 19 tonight. Um, starting at the back end, of, or starting at verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. The him is Jesus, the them <coughs> is those who are going to do the crucifixion, the, the Roman soldiers. So, the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, now, we know that Simon of Cyrene also assisted in that process, but that just isn't listed here. It's not a contradiction. It's just a different way. Uh, he's picking, a, picking it up at a different time in the sequence here. Um, he went out to the place of the skull, which, is uh, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There is a site uh, that looks suspiciously like that that we can visit today. Um, here they crucified him, and with him, two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. They would put the, the uh, what the person was guilty of, uh, publicly display that on these crosses, and hopefully that would, um, that would uh, dissuade people from committing the same kind of crime. So they put what they were guilty of, on uh, this sort of title on top of the crosses. <clears throat> and so Pilate, excuse me, Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross, and this is what Pilate had written rather sarcastically. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, that is the city of Jerusalem. Get maybe, who knows, hundreds of thousands of people there for Passover. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. <laughs> All three languages, the Greek language being the common language of the empire, Aramaic being what the Jews spoke, and Latin also being a somewhat common language of the empire, but not as common as Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, <coughs> excuse me again, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. It really bothered them that Pilate wrote this, and I think he did it intentionally to bother them. 
Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, this is what I want you to see, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. It's a rather savage scene as they are uh, taking this, this man's clothing, even his undergarment, and gambling for it. The likelihood that, that uh, people were crucified in the nude and in shame is very high, and we have reason to believe that the same would have been true even in the case of Jesus. They crucified these people in shame. And here you have these soldiers gambling for his, his undergarment, in a sense, is a rather savage scene, very savage. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. Savage scene. This happened, and this is what John says, this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Now, this is a very, very important passage of Scripture here because John, and only John, tells us that this gambling for, for Jesus' garments is a fulfillment of a predictive prophecy made in the Old Testament. The question is, where? And the where is Psalm 22. Now, this is very, very strange because Matthew does not tell us to go look in Psalm 22 for anything. Mark does not tell us to go and look in Psalm 22 for anything. Luke does not tell us to do that. Only John tells us to do that. Um, Matthew and Mark record, or maybe Luke as well, you'd have to check, record the incidents of of what happens to Jesus, clothing and undergarment and so on, but they do not tell us this is a fulfillment of Scripture. Only John tells us this, okay? Uh, a couple of the other synoptics have a saying that Jesus uh, made on the cross in the Aramaic language, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which they translate for us, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But even that does not tell us, they don't tell us specifically to go and look at Psalm 22. Now, a, Jew, a Jewish person hearing Jesus saying this, if they knew the, the, uh, the writings of the Old Testament, they would know uh, that when someone wanted to quote a psalm, for instance, they would quote from the first verse of it. And uh, they had enough memorized Many of them couldn't read, but they have en had enough of it memorized uh, orally that they w would know what the thing was and what the psalm was. And in this case, um, it's possible in, in the synoptics, Matthew and Mark and Luke, whichever one quotes that saying of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It would have been a clue for them to go look in Psalm 22. Nonetheless, we don't know that 20 centuries later unless we know Psalm 22. You say, why is that so important? It seems that's a trivial thing. Well, it's only John who tells us to go and look at it. He tells us it's a fulfillment of Scripture. Now, 
when you go and look at Psalm 22, which is written a thousand years before Jesus was born, I have stood in front of a little piece of Psalm 22 out of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which predate the birth of Jesus. And I've stood in front of that little manuscript of Psalm 22. It, it predates the birth of Jesus and it predates the life of Jesus by a thousand years. The original is written about a thousand B.C. And so what you have when you read that psalm, not only do you see this thing of the gambling of someone's clothing, but you see a vivid description of a crucifixion. It is uncanny and highly suggestive of the supernatural when you read that. It is one of the most staggering pieces of predictive prophecy in the entire Bible. And what makes it so interesting is that the gospel writers barely notice it. John notices one part of it, but he doesn't tell us to look at all the rest of it. When we look at the rest of it, it is staggering. I mean, right down to a phrase that talks about my heart is like wax. It has melted away within me. If you run the science on uh, what happened to Jesus when the soldier pierced his side after he had died, you see blood and water come out. You run that through the science books and the medical textbooks, and they will tell you that that is proof positive of a traumatic experience happening to the heart. And here you have the psalmist David writing, my heart is like wax, it has melted away within me. But you read that whole psalm. It is an uncanny description of a crucifixion. And it is so real because the gospel writers barely even notice it. This, again, is an indicator we are looking at something real. We are looking at something powerful. And this is evidence that God exists. God is supernatural. And God is speaking to us through the story even of the crucifixion of Jesus 20 centuries later where you have modern medical science that can corroborate a minor detail in a psalm that predates Jesus by a thousand years, where he quotes the first verse of it. So my homework to you tonight, or maybe tomorrow, you go and you find Psalm 22 in the Bible's Old Testament, and you read it, and you tell me, if that is not a vivid description of a crucifixion, if you're a skeptic and you're watching, I challenge you. The most that you can say is that that is a wild coincidence. That's the most that you can say if you're a hardened skeptic. If you're open-minded, you would scratch your head and say, maybe, just maybe, there's a real God who's really revealed himself through this book, the Bible, and through the Easter story. So God bless you tonight. I look forward to being with you again tomorrow as we move into day 15 of the Easter countdown. Have a good night, everyone.